Your homepage for horror is here. Fangoria.com is now live and brimming with the digital horror content that you crave. Fangoria.com is your first destination for all the horror news of the day, featuring a constant curation of the Fango team's favorite links from across the internet. They're taking the time to aggregate the most important news and horror in one space to save you time and sanity. You'll also find long-form pieces, deep dives, and daily thoughts from the biggest names in horror, as well as exclusive access to the Fangoria Vault. Right now, all current subscribers to the magazine are automatically members of Fangoria.com. And as promised, the content of the new issues will forever be print only. If you're not already a subscriber, check out the new Fangoria.com for yourself and see the horror right before your eyes. Use promo code QUEERWOLF for 15% off right now. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Attack of the Queer Wolf, recording from 18 separate locations. I'm Brennan. <laughs> I'm Michael. And uh, Nay is not with us today, but we are joined by our Attack of the Queer Wolf pack moderator mama, writer, and filmmaker extraordinaire, BJ Colangelo. Welcome. BJ. Hi. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I'm very sad that my first episode is While I'm Still Stuck. In hell, aka Cleveland, <laughs> Ohio. But hey girl. <laughs> it's the gothest way to be. I get to I'm see from there. Faces. I know yeah, what you're talking you, about. You know full force what so I'm dealing had, with. We've had to like figure out this whole record thing as we kind of go with the quarantine going on and stuff. And uh, we've had to like adjust. And I was like, you know what? We've been wanting BJ and we've always said BJ needs to come on the show. Um, and I was like, if we have to do it in quarantine, she should do it now. <laughs> I mean, that's one way to get me here is insight <laughs> in a worldwide pandemic. That's yeah. <laughs> millions of lives. Perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. You know, it, it, it's really expanded because we didn't really have the equipment to do this before, and now we mostly do. So, yeah, because we right. always said we wanted BJ on, but we didn't want it like you to have to like do it on a, on the phone, right? Um, so in a way, this is better than a phone call. Hey, you know what? Silver linings everywhere. We're, yes. we're, we're at that point now where we have to look for them. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like panning for gold, baby. Yeah, what, did I, what did I say yesterday in the email about today's show? I might rage for a second at the top of the show before we get to the happiness. Right. Are, are you ready? Um, Do you need to? Are you, I, you know, like, fuck Trump. Fuck his face. Fuck his whole no, family. Like, I think that's all I need. Today has actually been a decent day. Like, <clears throat> BJ, I think you and I have texted about how like we have our moments where we're like, what is any of this even for? Why am I writing today? And then you have the days where you're like, thank God I'm writing today. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. today has been one of those, thank God I, I have this outlet in my life today. So um, yesterday would have been a really good day to hear me rage because I was very pissed off yesterday. <laughs> Everything. Me at about 2 a.m. last night is when I hit just my breaking point where I was like, I'm just going to burn it all fucking down. Yeah. It's it's hard not to burn it down every other day. Yeah. I, I will warn you. I did um, last time I remotely recorded a podcast. It was for a different show. I was running trivia on the quarantine movies for a trivia podcast. Oh my God. Um, and I had about 
60% of a panic attack. So I'm trying to avoid that this time, but just okay. so you know. <laughs> but if you do have a panic attack, it's okay. Yeah, and it is. I mean, you know, I just never want to have one. So no. Yeah, they don't feel good, but they're mm-hmm. normal. Mm-hmm. I had my first um, real big one, like, God, when was it? It was before all this, but I actually had to go to the ER. Oh, God. It was that Oh, bad. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I thought I was having a stroke. Um, well, glad you weren't. And I weren't. I wasn't. But it was, it, panic attacks are fucking real. Um, mm-hmm. So you're not alone. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway, um, is that our, our, our venting time? About, I mean, yeah, that's you know, it's, it's going to come yeah, creeping I'm, back in. I'm pretty people good. Also, have- don't just don't fucking touch people. If you have to go in public, leave them alone. Don't go near them. Yeah. Stop. Yes. Stop thinking that outside magically means, well, there's six feet of air above us, so we're fine. Right. No. <laughs> Stop. Uh, <sighs> It's like the one time anybody can like literally avoid somebody else without being scolded for it. Do it. I mean, honestly, that part of it, that is a silver lining. It's like, Mm -hmm. I don't care if you think I'm rude anymore. It's like, I'm going to cross the street. It's fine. Goodbye. Yeah. When I'm out walking Scooby, if I see a person coming, I immediately cross the street. Mm -hmm. I've actually taken to walking her in the middle of the street because to me, that is like the safest buffer is most people... Won't walk in the street, and I thankfully live in a residential enough neighborhood that a car rarely does drive down while we're in the middle of the street. Mm. Um, that is important. Yeah. So Scooby has now gotten to the point that when we do go outside, she just immediately wants to run in the middle of the street. <laughs> so when this is all over, we're going to probably have to retrain her on not running into the middle of the street. But oh, isn't no. it weird that a dog running into the middle of the street is like the safest thing for her and us right now? Um, <laughs> She's like, literally looks at me and is like, okay, let's go to the street, dad. <laughs> oh, do you, do you identify as dad for, for Scooby? Uh, yeah. In a lot of ways I'll call her, I'll say she's my, Brian and I really take to the idea that she's our pet. Um, I treat her like she's my child because I love her so much. So I'm okay with being a dog dad, but it seems weird to call her my daughter. Cause someone has said that to me, like your little daughter. And I'm like, mm, she's my daughter. As long as you don't call her your fur baby. Like I don't kink shame. That's the one thing. Like you're disgusting. Stop calling pets your fur babies. That's gross. She's not my fur baby. She's my everything. <laughs> I actually my texted her last night and I said, if I were to die while Scooby was alive, I hope she eats my fucking face. <laughs> that's how much i love her i want her to eat like, me i want to exist inside of her yeah i want her <laughs> for some reason i were to die in the apartment and no one could get to her for a few days eat me to stay alive yeah. dog like get those calories <laughs> yeah see that's true parental love right there so I you are dad so yeah i love her she's the best um she will be part of our discussion topic today Oh, great. Um, well, before we launch into that, we should do tea time. Something should be, you know, maintained as regular. <laughs> um, well, BJ, since this is your first time on the show, is there anything you want to highlight specifically that you've been watching recently? Sure. So um, I made the decision 
when quarantined and also keep in mind this is I'm, i've almost been quarantined for a month now because ohio sucks for a lot of reasons but we shut down very early compared to ohio is ahead of the curve yep they mm-hmm. governor get you got to do that wine with dewine two o'clock every day <laughs> and uh but yeah our governor shut us down pretty early so i successfully have made it through rock of love rock of love season two Rock of Love bus and Daisy of Love because that's the kind of garbage human being I am. And I've loved every second of it. Of course. Of course. Because, so first of all, um, I'm a huge hair metal fan. My parents are big hair metal fans. So uh, Brett Michaels is somebody that uh, I was a fan of when I was younger. And I remember watching Rock of Love when I was younger, but a lot of it didn't stick with me. And upon rewatch, it is just this perfect time capsule of sort of like MySpace era America in the the normalized way that we communicated with each other, the horrible fashion. Um, Mm. I mean, even just the difference between one season to the next, you can see like, oh, this is where like scene music got really big um, just based on their, their outfits and at the same time, it's also wild as hell because so much stuff would just not fly today. Oh, no. It's, like, one of the most problematic things I've ever watched. But, like, never was I like, oh, I'm offended at this because I was like, no, because in 2009, yeah, we legitimately called everybody a slut and a whore, even if they weren't, because that's just how people talk to each other. And it's... Mm -hmm. It's so strange to see like how something so normalized is now like n- nope, like hard hard line not happening. And it's been enjoyable trying to like revisit that in a weird way. Well, yeah, reality I mean, it's TV an anthropological the, study. It, <laughs> well, reality it really TV is. even 10 years ago was so different than today. Like I don't think people realize cuz there's so much reality TV now, but like the true like reality TV renaissance happened like 15 years ago. Yeah. Like it was such a different, even like format, like bachelor has been around this entire time, but like, and it's still really popular, but I feel like even that was so different 10 years ago and it's probably the same shit, but um, remember like the simple life and shit, like that kind of reality TV. (laughs) Oh yes. How can we forget? Like there was a lot more of like rock of love is, I guess the bachelor, right? In a lot of ways. It's, yeah, it's essentially The Bachelor, but it's it, it came during that peak of VH1 reality shows where all of the reality yes. shows also then had spinoffs. So yes. there was like Charm School and Flavor of Love and just all this mess. And these these women became like certifiable like stars for being like doing nothing other than being on these shows. Mm-hmm. Um like I, I remember they would advertise like so and so from Rock of Love will be at the club on Saturday. Come see her, and like that was like a draw. Is you could go see <laughs> these people who got kicked off of a show to try to date Brett fucking Michaels, and that was a world we lived in, and that's wild to me. 
Was <laughs> Brett Michaels the uh, prize on each of those Rock of Love seasons, or was it like a different the prize? <laughs> So I don't know. Brett, Brett Michaels was the prize on all of the Rock of Love. And then uh-huh. Daisy of Love is Daisy De La Hoya, who was second place on season two. And she uh, got her Daisy own spinoff. Yes, she got her own spinoff show where uh, men were vying for her because Brett rejected her. And let me tell you the <laughs> toxicity of men in 2009 that we're God. vying for this. It is just like everyone is a walking red flag. Like they all have anger issues. They all are like way too into appearances. They all have never been told no in their lives and freak the fuck out when she finally does. It is like one of the most horrific things because watching it, I was like, I don't remember watching this. You know, a lot of stuff didn't you know register. And it's like, oh, because I blocked this out because this was yeah. like, way too much of every dude that you, you know was interested in me in college you would think by like season three or four of rock of love one of the girls would be like mm, the fact that this show is in season four means you can't carry a relationship some you know what i mean have, uh, <laughs> really nice shade about him uh, because as we all know, Mr. Brett Michaels famously had big, beautiful hair in the 80s and now mm-hmm. you know, wears very expensive extensions and uh, then uses a bandana to cover up the, the hairline because I don't think anyone ever taught him how to glue down uh, a wig. And <laughs> almost all of them, like when they get rejected, they're like, whatever, he wears wigs, fuck him. And I'm like, you know what? I can't be mad about this. He does. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with wearing wigs, but like Brett Michaels, like just who are you fooling? It's like when Trump says his hair is real. It's like, mm, okay. Mm, own it. Exactly. Just own it. Be like, mm. I bought this. This is expensive and it looks great. I'm like, yeah. <sighs> so what All about right. you, Michael? Have you been watching anything? Yeah. I think uh, the thing I want to bring up in tea time, because some of the other stuff I do want to bring up, plays better in our will play better in our main discussion but i started and there was only one episode so far is shutter's new original series cursed about um oh, cursed movie productions um have either of you heard of it mm-hmm. yeah really okay. cool. yeah so the first episode was on the exorcist which um i also rewatched for probably the millionth time and honestly came to the conclusion for me that I think it is the greatest movie ever made. It's just the exorcist is fucking perfect. Um, But as far as cursed, the series goes, I enjoyed the first episode of the exorcist. Um, The thing I enjoyed about it most is I feel like a lot of these bigger horror movies that they'll probably cover like the omen and poltergeist and the exorcist. And I don't know what the other two movies are going to cover because I think it's a five episode season. Um, I feel like, the thing I really enjoyed about it is I feel like they brought up stuff I didn't know. Cause I feel like for most horror fans, they know a lot about the making of cursed and like a lot of this st- or cursed, the making of the exorcist and a lot of the shit that happened on set and people dying and how the public reacted to the movie coming out. But I thought the show did a good job of bringing up new things to the table that I don't want to spoil because I think you should go watch the episode. It's only 29, 29 minutes. Um, I guess my only gripe would be, and this is just a personal taste, is I get 
Exorcist is based around an exorcism. So you will kind of, for me, I didn't enjoy this part, but they did end up speaking to somebody who calls himself an exorcist. Um, mm. And for me, I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm always just like, I could do without this dude who claims to be an exorcist, almost like performing an exorcism in the show. Um, and so like, to me, I was like the, the mixture of film facts and culture facts crossed with almost like a stunt didn't really land fully for me. I think I wish they would have just kind of stuck towards the movie side. Um, but all in all, I would highly recommend it because I think some people might actually really enjoy that angle of it for me, not so much. Um, but I'm also a huge fan of, um, people connecting the dots to like a quote unquote curse of a movie, like the poltergeist, like all that shit went down with the poltergeist mm-hmm. movie, you know, that kind of stuff just fascinates me. Cause you do kind of go, well, was there something sinister going on here? Like all that shit happened to one movie production. Right. Um, but the biggest thing I liked about the exorcist episode was that Linda Blair was front and center during a lot of it. And like new interviews, new interview, brand new interview, um, from her animal Haven. Um, and unlike Carol Baskin, she's actually an animal humanitarian. (laughs) Um, and I also loved the openness at what she spoke. And that includes her saying, I'm not going to answer that fucking question. Which I love when someone will do that because to me that is being open because you're telling someone exactly what you want them to mm-hmm. hear. Um, I love when an actress or an actor that we kind of, um, you know, someone like her who has kind of lives in like um, a place in horror that you look up to. Um, doesn't just appease people. So like, I don't know. I kind of loved when there was a question they asked her and I can't specifically remember what it was, but she literally applied. I'm not fucking answering that question. And I was just like, Oh girl, I love you. Um, and you know, like it was interesting from her POV about how fond she looks at that movie, but also at the same time, how much of a scar that movie was on her life. Um, and I'm really glad she did the episode because I don't think the episode would have been as powerful had she not been involved. Um, so I just ranted. I'm I'm always fascinated when they interview people who were really famous in horror movies when they were children Mm -hmm. and like how that has impacted their life because, um, like the, the woman who plays the little girl in Nightmare on, or Night of the Living Dead, uh, she comes to Cinema Wasteland every year, uh, pretty much every year, at least once once a year. And I always say her name wrong, so I'm not even going to try and butcher it. Oh, Judy in the basement? Yeah, I think I think her name's Kira. Okay. Kira. Um, but she she comes all the time, and you know everything that she has to sign is from when she was a child. And if you if you ask her about it, she's like, yeah, I've basically had to like store and, you know, think about this memory of when I was a kid and keep thinking about it and keep thinking about it because this, you know, this is kind of what I have. Um, but she's super nice. But I'm, I'm always just fascinated by that. Yeah, I'm fascinated by it, too, because there are a lot of people in horror that we laud still to this day from something they did 50 years ago but a lot of people don't look them as any look at them as anything other than that 12 year old girl that she was 50 years ago you know what i mean so it's like a give and take it's like 
Well, it's like think about how many people still make Felissa Rose like do the open mouth scream, right? Uh, from sleepaway camp, and it's like she's a mom now, like right, like they're royalty, but like we at the same time, a lot of people don't let them be anything but the person they saw 30, 40, 50 years ago. Right. And it's like, you know, it's, and it's, it's just an interesting thing to kind of view from the outside. Yeah. Cause like how many things from that age would you say are a defining aspect of like the character of who you are now? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think anything I did when I was 12 is something that I think about as like intrinsically me. Um, and if everyone in the world was like, Oh yeah. Remember that, time you i don't know peed your pants at your birthday party when you were 12 and i'm like i'm 25 this is not my life anymore yeah but then you have like the jamie lee curtis of it all who in interviews in the last year or two always talks about how she knows when she dies she's going to be listed as halloween ash- actress jamie mm-hmm. lee curtis passes away and she's fully embraced that you know and it's really cool to hear her talk about how something she did so young defined her whole life and how she's embraced it. I'm also sure it helps that she had a hit movie playing the same exact character 40 years later, uh, <laughs> you know, to kind of reig- reignite the passion for that character of when she was 19 years old, when she made it. Um, but it's such an interesting thing to just watch royalty and like the fandom around royalty. Like when you set yourself outside of horror and just watch it play out and just, like you said, like sometimes it's really cool, and then sometimes you're like, "Stop asking Felicia Rose to make that mo- open mouth face <laughs> from 35 years ago." Anyway, yeah, that is that is fascinating. I do have I have one question about because you know you said that the Exorcist part kind of put you off, or like yeah. the literal the Exorcist interviewee that person. Yeah, because um, like I do feel like the show is probably created to appeal to those people who are like into the occult and kind of that kind of like ghost hunter kind of thing. Um, Do you think part of why that didn't really work for you is because of your Catholic upbringing and because of the way you've maybe had to reject certain parts of that in your life? And like, am I hit you more? No. Cause um, when that part came on, I didn't really think about any of that. Um, Okay. I actually, yeah, I actually like can disconnect um, that from my view on the exorcist. I actually, I just, I'm just not into like, I'd rather know more about the movie than some dude that says he performs exorcisms. Fair. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Of course. I was just curious. No, it's a good question. Thank you. What about you, Brennan? What did, uh, what, what, what tea do you have to spell? Well, actually I have a couple entries into the creamy marathon. Um, cause mm-hmm. I didn't do any last week cause we re-ran or not re-ran, but we did an episode that had come out or ah, that was recorded before this started. (laughs) Anyway, I can't talk. Um, but I do have two entries. One of them is a song. One of them is not. So I'm going to open with the one that is not. Um, yeah. For anyone just joining us, um, the crimmy movies are these 1960s proto slashers from Germany. Um, they're pretty much all based on the British crime novels by Edgar Wallace. And they're all set in London, even though they're German and all the newspapers are in German and everything. Um, yeah, they, and then I had a fundraiser for people to donate and mm-hmm. I'm doing a review for everyone who donated it. So basically this first one is for Adam at wine movie nerd on Twitter. 
Um, the movie that I watch is a 1963 Harold Reinl joint. Um, it's called Der Würger von Schloss Blackmore, which means The Strangler of Blackmore Castle. I'm sorry, Adam. This one was not very good. Um, you don't have to watch <laughs> it. Um, not that I expect anyone to do that. Um, it's basically... I don't know. It opens on a dinner party. This guy just got his knighthood and there's this lurking murderer who's strangling everyone around to kind of get revenge. But it, it's, it, it's not like a, and then there were none kind of situation. Like everyone just kind of leaves. And then it's just a bunch of days at this castle and random, like people who walk by just get strangled. And it's not really that, uh, that interesting, except for the fact that um, one of the victims has an M carved on their forehead, just like Fritz Long's M. Um, so Germany still hadn't forgotten one of their big horror movies like 30 years later. Um, you know, it's all very over the top, you know, wild drama. Like there is a part where the sister who gets strangled, um, she's, you know, they find her body and she has just enough life in her to give like really detailed clues as to who the murderer is. (laughs) She's like, his right thumb was extra long and strong or like whatever like you know she did this whole thing and then she dies um Ah. and it's the kind of movie where people tell each other never forget we have a secret pact (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah oh there is a really cool part where this guy is threatening to cut out another man's eyes with like a diamond drill which which was pretty intense um no um but yeah, and then Ooh. characters kind of vanish for huge chunks of the movie. It wasn't my favorite of these. Okay. What was that one called uh, again? Uh, the Strangler of Blackmore Castle. Wow, it's a cool title. Yeah, that's why I wanted to watch was it. Was there any strangling in Blackmore Castle? I mean, yeah, but it, not of people who really mattered. <laughs> um, I feel like if you're going to throw the word strangle in the title, you got to strangle everybody, right? I mean, I guess, I mean... Pr- Look, I watched this a bit, probably a month ago at this point, so okay. I have my notes to reference more than I have Got my it. memory. Because I would be like, um, that would be like naming a movie like The Axe Murders at Spielman Dorm, and then like nine sure. people die by a knife and one dies by axe. <laughs> There's definitely, look, it delivers on some strangling. Okay. It was the That's easiest way to, to show death at that time. It is. It, you know, Bloodless. it's cheap, it's not super gory. Yeah. Um, so yeah, PJ, that, did you just put on a kimono? Um, no, it's a, I call them like a fat girl's, like fat girl sweater oh God, where it's like, it has it sleeves, so much. but then it's also, it's like a blanket with sleeves that you wear God, like I a, love it. on behind. So it's like, you uh, wear a snuggie, like a coat. It's almost. so cute. Like a, Sorry, like Brennan. I just saw her putting it on and I got like, I had pearls I wanted to get, I like clutch, but there's no <laughs> pearls there. Um, okay. Sorry. And slide, no, that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, and then let's see. The second one, it is a song. This one's on behalf of Christopher Morrison, who donated. This one's also from 1963. It's by Alfred Vorer. Oh, also, regarding Christopher Morrison, he has a film called The Bellwether that you should all uh, oh, cool. investigate, look into. Um, but this movie, yeah. Um, this movie is called Der Zinke, which means the squeaker. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I don't have backing music this time because I didn't have time to figure out how to make that work in the remote <laughs> recording. Um, so in case my, you know, atonal squeaking doesn't clue you in, um, this is to the tune of Don't Speak by No Doubt. Oh my God. Yes. I'm so excited that I get to experience this right now. I'm bracing myself. Okay. Okay. Um, 
<sighs> okay. This movie, it is so convoluted. Nothing in it makes any sense. There's a scene with Klaus Kinski kissing a snake and a trained oh. monkey butler. <laughs> <laughs> You might think that I'm kidding. No, this is all real. I just want you to know. Don't squeak. It's your own time. You're wasting. This plot is copy pasting. We've seen this all before. No, no, don't squeak. This movie has no meaning. A jewel heist for no reason. And a cop who roars. Check my Twitter for that one. <laughs> and, oh, and sorry, I need to I need to build up into this part. And in the ending, there's a talking <laughs> painting. Tell me why. Burn-um, burn-um, burn-um. This movie's a waste of a good title. Seriously, don't squeak. <laughs> They try hard to be British with mistranslated English. Here are some actual lines. Okay, and then here are just some lines I wrote down from the movie. Um, I'm so happy there's no longer any trace of evil in you. Um, line number two. <laughs> Whenever you have anything to say, there's a worm in it. And then there's a part where an imp... <laughs> There's a part after a jewel heist where an ambulance picks up a guy who had a heart attack, and this other man looks at the ambulance and exclaims, "An excellent organization!" <laughs> so that's that's what I yeah, got. I, that's what I got. Ambulances are an excellent organization. It's true, you know. I mean, really thank you to the first responders out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it never been truer. But just Brennan, you should get that clip of just oh, that. I should. Line. I should find that. Get that fucking on the internet. <laughs> It's yeah, I mean, video that you know, shit. It, he's, on Instagram. I'll treat it. Yeah, he's not wrong. It was just a weird time to say. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and it's also like such a weird thing to say at an actual ambulance. Yeah, not like at the paramedics, <laughs> right? Or like and, at I don't know. And this like, was just like a passerby too. Like he didn't like he didn't know the person who was being put in the ambulance. He was just like, oh yeah, I, I sure love ambulances. <laughs> you know, I'm with him. Anyway. I'm with him right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> I don't know why, but my brain just went to that scene in Drop Dead Gorgeous when the swan explodes and everyone's running in terror and the mayor is just clapping and is like, Good job. Good job. <laughs> and I can just think of this person like seeing an ambulance and somebody getting pulled away and being like, An excellent organization. That's where I want it to live now. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna say that in just the most random ways now. Please. <laughs> That should be. Did you um, watch Scream Three? Yes. What an excellent organization. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the new uh, like sub tagline for our podcast. Yeah, that is really funny. I do uh, straight up use, and Sam is also present in my real life. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> like the other day, like Harmony cooked this great meal, and we are on like a Zoom chat, and everyone's like, "Oh, that looks so nice." It's like, "Yeah, I did this and this," and I was just like, "And Sam is also present." No one knows it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very niche joke, but it's a v- if I'm anything, it's niche. True. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of our whole our whole deal. And then, yeah, 
on brand. Okay. Uh, so, uh, what we're here to talk about today, we're not, not doing a movie. Not a movie. Yeah. Shocking. I mean, it, we've been meaning to do more like kind of round table discussion topics. Um, we figured there's no better time. <laughs> um, basically, we want to kind of go around the horn and talk about some like quarantine, self-isolation, self-care recommendations. They could be like movies or types of movies, but they could also just be like, you know, here's what we're doing to try to hunker down and get through this thing. Um, yeah, Brennan with- and I were discussing via text the other day, like... Um, you know, what is a cool topic we could do that actually makes people laugh and smile and have a little fun. Cause um, you know um, we were going to record with Nay this week, but she, you know, she's actually being affected very directly by everything that's going on. Her uncle's sick. Um, and so she decided that she needed to do some self care herself um, and not record an episode. So we decided, you know what, let's take a little tip from that and do an episode about self-care during this self-quarantine. Um, the movie we were going to do with Nay, we will do soon. And I think people will be very happy when we do it. Um, oh yeah, I'm so excited. It's so excited. And then we're also, there might also be another surprise down the line that was also involving Nay. Um, so we kind of took, Brennan and I were talking, we're like, let's actually take that idea of self-care and bring it to the show right now. Cause I think people will appreciate some, either some tips or some, just some influence. What's a better word than influence? Cause I don't want to say, we I mean, but, uh, no, just like, yes. Yeah. Or like a, maybe even just like stuff that I have found comforting is like just kind of a frank discussion of the reality of it without being alarmist Yeah, where it's like, like we're not talking about, you know, the news and all the horrible things we're hearing. It's just like, we're recognizing that it's a tough situation and we're all not taking it well. Um, (laughs) And it's nice to be able to acknowledge that and to hear other people acknowledge it. And then to, you know, share and kind of exercise it together um, in a more positive space. Yeah. So um, we initially said, let's bring each five ideas and we might not get to five each because I feel like a lot of ours are probably going to cross paths. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. It might already cross paths with each other. So I'm sure they're going to cross paths <laughs> yeah, with yours. And, you know, and I actually, now at this point, I actually push my list away because I think it'll be more fun if the three of us kind of just discuss all of our stuff together. Because I think the first one I'm going to bring up, which I'm betting both of you have some sort of similarity is just, okay. I'm finding so much comfort in trash horror right now. <laughs> and, yeah, that's definitely like, part of my list. <laughs> yes. And I'm not calling this movie trash to shit on it, but my it's a movie I hadn't seen in a while. And I'm actually calling this movie out specifically because after watching it last night, I was like, oh my God, I feel so good after watching it. And it's a movie I never really, I don't think I've ever talked about on the show and I've never really... Like, it's not like a movie I go back to a lot. In fact, this is the first time I think I, I think this is actually the first rewatch for me. And it was uh, Return of the Living Dead. And it, Ooh. Return of the Living Dead. And it was just such a perfect, everything about it was perfect last night. From its bungling idiot opening to its just riff on the Living Dead genre to the movie itself just having a good old fucking time um, mm-hmm. 
it was just also so cute punk Tom Matthews. I mean, come on, right? Tom Matthews uh, is so perfect in that movie. So good. And like, I'm sure anybody listening to this has already seen the movie. And my point of bringing it up is I didn't know that was a movie I needed last night until I sat down and watched it. And the only reason I watched it is because it was one of the first things that popped up on Amazon prime. And I was like, Oh, this might be worth a rewatch. And Brian started watching with me. And at one point he turned to me and he's like, this movie's really good. And he had never seen it before. Um, so for 90 minutes, we were just kind of gone. You know what I mean? Like laughing uproariously, having a good time. And for me, my number one is find those movies in your life that you go back to and go back to them right now. Um, mm-hmm. And like been- the, thing, the thing that we wanted to do was there is some comfort in like crying and that kind of stuff. But I really found comfort in just laughing my ass off last night. I've been calling it um, my sick day movies. Yes. I've been thinking about the movies that I used to watch when I was homesick from school or if I was, you know, really depressed and would watch something that would make me happy. And so some of them are, you know, my old standards. So like Phantom of the Paradise, Fright Night, movies that I've watched a million times, but then Mm. also there are films like, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead and in yes. and movies that I would watch and serial mom movies I watched nonstop as a kid when I was homesick and it's just made me feel so much better because it also gives me this weird sense of hope of usually when you're a kid and you're sick you're out of school for like what two days so mm. in this weird sense I watch that movie and my brain kind of gets tricked into thinking like it's gonna be okay just give it a couple days and. I think I've just been stacking them because of <laughs> days and days and days and days. Yeah. Don't talk about the babysitter. That is such a good fucking call. It's what I have a amazing screen printed shirt um, of, <laughs> of, of Nicole. And it's just her face being like, <laughs> because, like not even like a main character, like one of Sue Ellen's friends. Say, that's one of Sue Ellen's friends that, the yeah. brother likes, correct? The nurse? Yes. <laughs> yes, but it's her making this like atrocious face uh, and he screen printed it on a shirt. And uh, I saw it and so I was like, oh, what a dumb so reference. Funny. We'll have to take a picture of that so we can post it on the account. I gotta find it. It's I have yeah. so many t-shirts, but it's incredible. So great. Yeah, and and it's true that there are comfort horror movies. Obviously, like, Don't Tell Mama Babysitter's Dead is a little on the other end of that like <laughs> horror spectrum perhaps but you know like the fright night like the those things where it's either comforting because of its familiarity to you or because you know you watch it as a kid or just it's important to recognize that there is a spectrum of what horror is even though it horror is generally classified as being like macabre or you know involving mm-hmm. monsters mm-hmm. in the supernatural it's not always you know the brutalizing horror experience and while that can be cathartic and cleansing even in this time like look at yeah. you know contagion topping all of the streaming charts yeah, right now right. yeah um i think that is absolute proof of like those historical horror theories of people you know kind of flocking to see movies that reflect the time that they're in and mm-hmm. kind of yeah. exercise that yeah well, um times a great strife horror is usually most popular yeah and look you contagion know? is not where my head is at right now mm-hmm. um no. 
Yeah, I would. Like, it's a disaster anyway. That's the better movie for this kind of situation. But Wait, which movie? <laughs> it's a disaster. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of a disaster spoof, but it's a bunch of people that are um, that are trapped in a house together. Which to me, that is more relatable than Contagion. Is this idea of being trapped in a house? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. So I I'm not specifically recommending Contagion unless you know you can handle it. You oh, know yeah. that's your personality <laughs> type. But it seems that a lot of people. Th- at least know know or at least think that they are <laughs> that way. Um, I would definitely look. I had a, a panic attack in the middle of watching Return of the King, the Lord of the Rings movie. <laughs> oh my God. So, oh no. um, Contagious not working for me. No, Return so of the King. Don't not- want to watch both crazies because I just did both of those back to back. See, here's the thing: there is that spectrum. I didn't have that because of Return of the King. It just kind of happened concurrently with it. Uh huh. Um, but. I think where I'm living is the like campy side of horror. Yeah. Um, which there's such a huge, you know, zone for on the horror spectrum. So even if you're not feeling, you know, getting your adrenaline pumped like crazy right now, cause that's not what you need for your anxiety or your mental health or whatever. Um, you could, you could throw on bloody moon, um, from Jess Franco who did, um, vampiros lesbos, uh-huh. um, which is this ridiculous, like West German slash Spanish slasher that makes no sense. The dub, it's the only time I'll recommend you watch the English dub because the dub is so hilarious. <laughs> um, have either of you seen Bloody Moon? I've I have not. That's one of my Just Franco blind spots. Oh, hell Same yeah. Okay. Here. Well, I did just watch the, Bloody Birthday, though. That's also on my list. Bloody Birthday is so fun. <laughs> um, so fun and so bad. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that's exactly where I want to be living right now. And like you are engaging with the silliness of this movie and yep. it engages like multiple parts of your brain where it's like, it's this is the plot part and then this is the part of the overarching, like I'm an analyzing how this movie is being created. Um, yeah, it's I'm, called, sorry, what? I, I was like, I'm gasping because I'm looking at the cover art for Bloody Moon with this uh, circular saw. Yes. Yeah. And um, wow, is that beautiful and striking. <laughs> Yes. Awesome. Um, the, ori- the original title for the movie is in German. It's Die Sega des Todes, which means the Saw of Death. Yep, um, that's what it is here on Wiki. And it's Jess Franco is Spanish, but it was made in Germany. It's one of those like European co-production kind of things that they had going on at the time. Um, it's about I. It's it's students at like a language learning school. I think in Spain or in it's one of them. It's the opposite of whatever is. <laughs> making it anyway um the dub is so ridiculous there's this character who is the character on the poster who is like tied to a block as that circular saw is coming towards her but as she's being tied up she thinks the killer is this kind of like snm guy that she's flirting with and she's like oh i hear suffering is good for pleasure (laughs) and that's wonderful it's truly a blast (laughs) It, it is a jess franco movie so you know trigger warning for Jess yeah. Franco movies. For everything. Um, it's very exploitative. <laughs> um, yeah. Michael, you will like it because there is a child death. Um, Perfect. And there's a part where a knife comes through a woman's nipple from the back. Oh, so, that's everything that whoa. I want. <laughs> yeah. that, is like, that actually took a second for me to understand. Good old yeah. knife nips. <laughs> it's other ridiculous movies I would recommend. People Under the Stairs, 
Um, Did you see that the house is up for sale? What? Ted Gagan, uh, the guy who directed uh, We Are Still Here, Uh he was posting about it on Twitter that for like $2.5 million, the house from the people under the stairs is up for sale and it is gorgeous. That's got to be a house here in LA, right? Yeah, it's in LA. Yeah. That that a must have. For I went to uh, the people under the stairs. I think it was at the end of last year at a, there was like a nineties horror movie marathon night that Friday night frights put on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first time I had seen it in a movie theater. It was so fun. It is it's banana so pants. That movie. <laughs> it is. It's so good. And what's her face? What's the actress's name? She was also the um, woman in Wendy Roby. That yeah, that thought she was oh, Wendy like, Roby again. <laughs> she's so good in it. She's so good all the time. She's uh, in this such this, a great sorry, bonkers character. She's on our Harmony, and I've been coming up with uh, ho- like horror film characters that exude mommy energy because we both huh. also subscribe to the Gospel of Chingy with mommy energy, and uh, <laughs> she was like a big one. I was like, oh no, no, she's also like canonically mommy, so it's yeah, perfect. Um, I would also recommend her. She plays. A, a similarly bonkers role in the gay teen musical we uh were the world mine which is an adaptation of midsummer night's dream huh. and she plays every drama teacher you've ever had that's her character yes. in that movie um, i love that but i also recommend the boy next door for pure camp yes um, perfect idle hands yes i love idle Hands. i am on a huge devin sawa kick lately oh. i just watched final destination again I would recommend any of those movies right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, being on a Devin Sawa kick is, be- is called being a fan of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> it's called doing a Sawa. Um, oh. Yeah. And I, you know, I just, I would also recommend any franchise you love. Oh, yeah. I recommend going back to that franchise and just starting over, seeing it through. Um, Brian and I started it before the quarantine but finished it during was the first eight friday the 13th and that was so fun they're also all on shutter right now so you can Mm. do that yeah yeah i will give you my info (laughs) hey it's free right now for 30 days days, that's right offer code shut in yes what were you gonna say brian um, I was saying in that Friday marathon, is there one that like rose to the top for you this time that you weren't expecting? Um, no, I mean, I, I watched all eight. I, even in the ones I don't like, I, of those eight, five, seven, and eight are my least favorite, but I always, every time I watch it, I always enjoy, I always enjoy the whole thing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There's certain like, aspects of all of them that I really love, you know, like five for as pissed at, at the time as people got for it, not being really Jason. Um, that is the least of that movie's problems. <laughs> the movie's so, so weird, but I, um, I still appreciate a lot of that movie. I know there's a lot of comfort in those movies for me. And I, I just love Ginny so much in part oh, two. Of course. Which we rules. And watching all eight of them, it's like so clear that she is the best final girl in that series. Like, oh, there's no question. But what's frustrating no is question. that 
Jason in two is my least favorite Jason. So He's my favorite. Oh, I hate him because he runs around. Like I a love Baghead Jason. He's <laughs> oh, my I hate favorite him. I, Jason. Like the Baghead doesn't bother me, but watching him walk, like my brain is just thinking of like that tuba sound of like the bar bar. He runs so stupid. He runs in three and four as well while rewatching them. Yeah. Which I forgot. He runs in the first three movie season. He doesn't look quite as like he does have a different gait in each of the f- three movies. Granted, yeah. different actor each time. Yeah, he's literally a different face every time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a different portrayal. <laughs> um, Jason in four is definitely more hulking and menacing than kind of the cowering Jason in two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do I fucking, I love Baghead Jason more than the hockey mask Jason. People are going to kill me, but it's true. I'm I'm a sucker for... I think that the best Jason performance is when Kane Hodder took over in seven, which is one of the weaker films, but mm-hmm. Oh, he's so scary. He's great. He's so yeah. big. He's so big. He's humongous. <laughs> yeah. And obviously like Kane Hodder is like a standout. He did it for so long because he was good at it. Like, yeah. Um, but I also, I like to throw in my, my, my token for Richard Brooker in part three. Like I, I think he, He's good. He gives like a solid, like frightening performance for me. It's <laughs> very like universal monstersy. Yeah, I agree with you. My favorite Jason is two, but I my favorite performances are two, three, and four. Jason, um, I kind of like the little bit the faster, um, less undead version of the character, mm. um, and I. Even though all three performances are so different, there's something about all three of them that I appreciate. I feel like then, to me, Jason was more of a character than Kane, even though Kane was hulking and mm-hmm. terrifying. I thought mm-hmm. there was a little bit more nuance in two, three, and four, as opposed to just a um, big hulking scary man. <laughs> Bringing up. Bringing up two, and in particular, Ginny also made me think of one of my other horror comfort films, uh, which is actually The Final Girls, Mark's movie. Yes. Oh, Mark's um, yes. And because I've talked to Mark about this, um, I, I used to be on uh, another podcast where when the movie came out, I got to interview him. And oh, cool. the interview turned into me. Um, I, I don't know how it would have been when it came out. So, you know, this is you know, years ago and it sort of turned into 15, right? Yeah. Yeah. 2015. Yeah. So it's, you know, like five years ago. And uh, so this is like right after I've like been pretty much told that I'm going to die of cancer. So I'm extra heightened emotions. And I like just cried at him through this podcast about like how important I felt this movie was for teen girls who, you know, we never get to have like a movie that feels catered to us. And this felt catered to uh, like, this is a movie I wish I would have had when I was in high school. Um, But, and also like Betty Davis has my favorite song of all time. So like Mm -hmm. big connection Mm -hmm. there, but in rewatching, you know, the, the Friday movies, when Ginny shows up in the car, I was like that motherfucker, he stole that like exact entrance for his like would be tough final girl. Cause she comes in late in a cool car. (laughs) How did I miss that? You know, the first time around, I didn't even think about it until I saw it. And I was like, duh, right in front of my face. But yeah, that movie brings me a lot of comfort 
because I also think that that movie has one of my favorite striptease scenes of all time. Mm-hmm. When she's a, the most sentimental striptease scene I've ever seen. Yes, it's just That's the beauty of that movie oh. is it's got so much heart, and you actually really genuinely care for the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, the best slasher movies to me are the ones that are also the most emotional. I agree. And, so, know, so I like the Happy Death Day movies. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. right. The relationship between the mom and the daughter in the final girls and Tree and her mom in both Happy Happy Death Day movies. I'm not afraid to admit that I cried in all three of those movies at one point. Um, and, that, and that's why these movies are great to to recommend to people as a form of self care because. I mean, when I'm not doing my horror stuff, I'm a social emotional educator. This is my job is I literally tell people how to like handle their shit. And one of the things I always recommend to people is, you know, movies like that, because you mm-hmm. get to have the exploration of the fear and the anxiety that you have through horror, but then you're also being comforted and given a safe outlet to navigate um, personal negative emotions like sadness. Yeah. And that yes. makes those movies so much more enjoyable and you tend to leave them feeling a lot better. You know, I have an idea for those three movies. Ready? BJ, I think you especially will appreciate this. We can yeah. call them the emotional release trilogy. <gasps> yeah. So and final girls, happy death day and happy death day to you. They are the emotional release trilogy. They make you laugh and they make you cry and you feel better when you leave them. That's pretty great. That's absolutely true. And you know, a secret ingredient. They're all made by queer people. Yes. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, emotional release trilogy. I think we're going to coin that term right Perfect. now. Because they all, and the three of them really do play well together. They do. Just as stories, you know? Um, yeah, and, like, and they're a tonal match, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and they both have, all both, all three of them have a lead performance to like, to die for. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now I want to watch all three of those. I do too now. (laughs) I know. (laughs) They're just so enjoyable. Something else that I have been doing uh, in sort of finding these movies is there is an Etsy account. And it's film, art, music, etc. So like the easiest Etsy account name. But this person sells old movie posters um, of a lot. And a lot of the movies are ones that, you know, nobody wants a poster for. Um, So Harmony and I have been going through that. He has like 40 pages of them. And just looking at movie posters of movies we've never heard of and going, that looks weird. Let's put it on this list. Let's try and track it down. And a lot of these movies are ones that have been lost to time. So, you know, most of them are on YouTube um, or they're movies that have been picked up by, you know, restoration companies like Severin or Vinegar Syndrome. But it's been like a weird trip, uh, like a, like a virtual video store because we just get the poster. Like I'm not getting a trailer. I'm not getting a synopsis. I'm not getting a tomato, you know, rating. It's just look at this art and do you want to watch this? And we've been finding a lot of weird, fun stuff. So we found um, the ghost in the invisible bikini, which I was tweeting about the other day, (laughs) which has Boris Karloff and Dusty Springfield and is a beach party movie from the 60s but there's not actually a beach it's a pool at a haunted house and 
there's greasers and people in monster costumes and it is so fun and stupid and we're like i want to watch every movie that's like this it's perfect and i would never have found it or given it the time of day had i done like the the rating sort of system that i think we've all become accustomed to but judging based solely on the artwork i watched it and it was great that's and that, awesome. that's like a especially you know like in the idea of like the self-care recommendations for this time like it is kind of fun to go on an adventure like that and engage in something like across multiple avenues where it's like you know you're hunting through the website you're looking at the art you're trying to find the movie like it is it's it's a quest of some kind yeah because we've been digging and like there's this huge sense of excitement when we find one because a lot of them it's like oh you can buy this on amazon for 700 dollars for yeah vhs tape it's like well shit that's not gonna happen but then we found one that was like this is streaming on you know Tubi tv with ads and i was like perfect let's do it (laughs) i have like fallen in love with Tubi during this isn't that weird they've had some good stuff tv is like um they have like the most amazing shit speaking of self-care i watched the house on sorority row recently hell yeah and that's free on Tubi. not one commercial the entire time Oh, beautiful. It was beautiful. I love it. I'm like, okay, Tubi coming into my eyes. Very queer, <laughs> very queer wolf related. Um, Harmony and I, anytime we watch a movie and somebody does like just an atrocious line read, I told you this, but anytime there's an atrocious line read, it doesn't matter what they're saying. One of us will look at the other and go, but how do we know she is alive? How do we, how do we know? How do we know? <laughs> how do we know? So good. <laughs> Uh, beautiful that is Uh, self-care right there i'm trying to think what else like okay so i do have one that i can kind of transition because we were talking a little earlier about people who were watching things like contagion which you know might be a little bit triggering if you want to watch like a contagion movie that's still fun watch mayhem joe lynch's mayhem because at least the disease Uh, makes you do like fun things like have crazy sex and like punch people in the face. Um, There's like a, like a veneer of fiction to it. Yeah. It doesn't feel quite as like, ah, and like too, too close, but in sort of that same category or family of, you know, virus movies, um, they just released the updated remake of the resident evil three game, which the resident evil three game is very heavily the basis or Resident Evil 2, the movie, which I think is the best one in the series. But the Resident Evil 3 video game is terrifying. And the the thing that I fully admit is that I have watched countless hours of horror films. I have spent my life reviewing, watching, analyzing, theorizing, all of it. If I try to play a horror movie video or a horror video game, I will have a panic attack and throw up because my adrenaline gets so <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but, but like, it's real. Hit hard on the word throw up. <laughs> because, I really, because it's happened. Like there is um there is like a like a it was a trailer, a temper like a temp game that then later became the Silent Hill games called PT, okay. like playthrough trailer. And okay. It's first person and you literally just, you go up and down a hallway, but every time you go down, like things change and you don't know what's going to change. Um, I was so affected by it that I had to take a Xanax (laughs) or I was going to lose my mind. But 
because now, like when Resident Evil 3 came out, obviously it was probably like 10, like nine or 10. Um, now they've, you know, remade it. It's got these great graphics. It looks beautiful. But because the internet is now what it is, I can watch other people play this game. So there's, okay. I've been watching some Let's Players play Resident Evil 3. So I get to experience the story, but I'm not the one in control. So I don't feel like I'm going to throw up all over the place. Or <laughs> so you have... You get that emotional distance. Yes, which I desperately need. And like the the jump scares, they still they still get me. Like a jump scare happens and I'm still like shaking on the couch. But usually what happens is the player also does the same and then they pause the game for a second so they can compose themselves. And I'm like, Ah, uh, so you get that time yes. too. <laughs> yeah, so then I get that time, but I also it feels um one of the reasons I love horror movies is because they're such communal experiences. So if I'm freaking the fuck out, like the person next to me probably also is, but video games are, yeah, yeah, but like video games are so personal and so isolating. So being able to scream with someone else, uh, feels so much better. And it's been really fun to, to kind of revisit that, um, revisit that world and you know it's a it's a shitty virus and a shitty corporation and a shitty government that didn't help and i'm like oh it feels good to watch you get fucking blown away by somebody <laughs> killing monsters oh it feels nice well speaking of horror video games that's one of the things i was actually going to recommend to people to do because i actually haven't played a video game probably in five years four or five years and i actually re am revisiting until dawn right now oh i love and- I'm having so much fun, but BJ, I'm with you. <clears throat> There's been at least five times while replaying this game, and I never finished it the last time, so I'm actually almost at the point where I left off because I restarted. But there's been like a half a dozen times where I've like literally jumped out of my fucking skin um, playing the game because of a jump. Somebody scare. tweeted at me about because i was like i'm scared of video games and somebody retweeted me and was like you haven't lived until you've played resident evil 7 with vr and i was like i would actually die like i my heart would explode (laughs) in my chest and someone would get sued like no i'm not doing that but it also you also brought up something about how horror movies are a communal experience and that was another thing i wanted to talk about today is how i don't think the theater going experience is going away after this Um, Because people have been talking about because theaters are closed and unfortunately the thing that would be most affected are independent theaters. And I hope there's a way we can bring a lot of those theaters back when this is all over with. But in regards to going to the theater, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to most when this is all over. And I actually think theaters are going to be fucking packed when this is everybody, you know, wants to leave their house. People want to leave their house, but they also want to be reminded of what BJ just said of, Mm-hmm. being involved in something together at the same time. And you can't get that watching Netflix. You can't get that watching Hulu yeah. or Amazon, especially in horror. Um, going to a theater and watching a horror movie. Like I was talking with Axel Caroline last night about this, about how I think the first movie I go back and see, if it's a horror movie, I'll probably start sobbing when the credits start rolling at the beginning of the movie. Cause I'll be so excited to be back in the theater, but also know that I'm, I'm with my people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I cannot wait for that. And I don't want to get down like, because it's going to make me cry, but. We'll be like feed off of each other in that moment yes. because the last, the last two things that I saw. Um, so I saw the invisible man when it opened and it was a packed so theater good. and you could 
like you can hear people tense in their seat and you can feel that energy shift when people are all scared together and it's, it's palatable and it was so wonderful. And then the very last thing um, is we saw an afternoon matinee of the hunt the day that they were like, okay, moving forward, you're stuck Mm. inside. So we went and then we were the only ones in the theater and it was awesome because I was glad that the last thing I was doing was seeing a movie but at the same time, it it felt so sad because I was like, oh, we're really isolated. And normally I look forward to seeing movies alone. I love going to the theater and having it to myself. I didn't like it because I knew what it sig- like was signifying. What it signified, yeah. 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 Um, and, and one thing I do want to say, like, obviously, you know, we're a horror podcast. So a lot of our specific recommendations are around horror. Um, but if you are someone for whom like horror and like horror fandom is an integral part of your identity and you're suddenly finding yourself not wanting to watch it right now, that is also okay. It's also completely like, fair. Yeah. You need to listen to that. Um, these recommendations are for like, you know, if you still want something that is a little more palatable or if you don't, <laughs> whatever. Um, but look, I, same thing. I am, I've been a horror fan for uh, probably about a decade at this point, like of that being the primary genre that I consume. Mm-hmm. And right now um, I've been watching a lot of nailed it. I've been playing a lot of let's go <laughs> Pikachu on the switch. Like that's kind of the like safe, comfy bubble I've created for myself. Yeah. And it is okay to only want to be there. Yeah. You yeah. know what I was playing? Also Uno. I was playing Uno on PlayStation. Really? Yes. <laughs> it just reminds me of like just something so simple. And well, but I'm it's definitely fun. one of those people who's um, I have put in a lot of hours into Animal Crossing, mm. and <laughs> this I know is, it is <laughs> so calming and so nice. And I've also been able to like quote unquote hang out with my friends on Animal Crossing because I've been able to visit their islands, and our islands are all so. They're so reflective of our own personalities. So people come and visit my house and they're like, oh, you have a film projector and a spiderweb umbrella and everything looks gothy and fun and spooky. But then you go a little bit in the middle of my island. It's like, oh, you have a wrestling ring. Okay. (laughs) This is definitely BJ and Harmony's island. Well, that's the thing is we're getting little pieces of you even through a video game. Exactly. And you can talk with each other. You can't. And everything about Animal Crossing is just so pure and wholesome like there's no violence it's just the music is calming the uh, the things that you're supposed to achieve for the day are like catch butterflies like it's so nice cute and i that's what i do in between my classes because i'm you know i'm teaching online and it's all social emotional work where i'm i'm working with with kids that have high exposure to trauma and live in poverty. And um, it's one thing when they talk to me about it in school, but now I'm seeing into their homes and Mm. I'm inviting and welcoming their traumas into my living room. And I need that escape because I otherwise just break down and cry and think about how mad I am at the world that everything is unfair because I'm looking at it and I can't do anything about it. And then I just lose it. So then I go play Animal Crossing and it's like, oh, look, I caught a guppy. Yay. <laughs> um, oh, um, I, have a, I have a couple of recommendations for like a moving on to another topic. But so did what you have to say have to do with this one? No, mine is actually going to be about food. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? Let's hit yours first and then I'll do mine. I actually just, okay, so I I don't know. I think I've brought it up on the show before that I love to cook. Um, cooking is a big relaxation outlet for me, surprisingly. I know for a lot of people it can be a source of anxiety and stress and mayhem. Me. Um, but <laughs> that's how my boyfriend is too. He's like, the kitchen freaks me out. I find a, a meditative place in the kitchen for myself. Um, it's actually one of the few times where I can actually go completely mindless, but somehow manage to complete an entire task in the process. Um, so I have found comfort in that hobby. And so I wanted to share a simple recipe oh. for because I feel like, yeah, I feel like food, um, sometimes is looked at, I feel like finding solace or comfort in food is sometimes looked at as nothing but a bad thing. But I also think there can be such a positive aspect to that, Um, whether it's an emotional connection to something from childhood, um, whether it's the act of, I think the act of sitting down with other people and having food is one of the most communal things you can do and one of the most joyous things you can do. Um, So I have been turning to that hobby of mine on a daily basis. Um, And I just wanted to give a simple recipe because I think a lot of people find comfort in the old school grilled cheese and tomato soup. Um, But I wanted to give my homemade, I just did air quotes, BJ and Brennan Uh can see me on Zoom, but the (laughs) audience can't. And it's really simple. So I just want to give it out really easily um, because it's it's very cost effective too. And I thought it would be like kind of cool for people to hear this side of me and get a recipe of mine. So I'm going to run it down really briefly. Okay. So for the tomato soup, very simple. Take a large can of whole tomatoes. I think it's like, I think they're like 23 or 32 ounce cans. So get a can of that. Okay. Blend that shit up. Just throw the whole entire can of whole tomatoes in a blender. (laughs) Blend that shit up until it's nothing but a, a puree. Essentially. It's just, it's just tomato juice at that point. Throw it in a pot with four cups of chicken broth. Um, You don't need to make your own broth. I've made my own broth in the past by boiling an entire chicken with a bunch of aromatic vegetables and stuff. But you can find just a great 32-ounce container of it at Trader Joe's or your local grocery store. Hell, use the fucking bouillon cubes because I don't care what anyone says, that shit is fucking delicious. Um, And all that would be was four bouillon cubes with four cups of water. Essentially, just combine those two motherfuckers together, and there's your fucking soup. (laughs) It's really simple. You can zhuzh it up. I like to zhuzh it up with a little bit of garlic puree that I also will make by just blending some garlic with a little bit of water. You could also just do the classic salt and pepper to taste. Little red pepper flake is delicious. You could blend a little bit of onion and throw it in the soup. But literally, it's as simple as blending a can of tomatoes with four cups of chicken broth and you have a very delicious homemade tomato soup. If you're looking for the classic like creamy tomato soup, just buy that Campbell's bullshit. It's the closest you're going to get to like a true Campbell's soup is the Campbell's soup. And then for the grilled cheese, take any sort of crusty bread you can get your hands on. Brian and I have actually been thriving on these like really thin French baguettes that are like three feet long, but they're like two inches thick and they're literally like a dollar. They're so fucking cheap, but they're so fucking good. A lot of people overlook the cheap shit because they think it's cheap. 
But what I'm about I mean, to tell you is good is that's it, where the good, that's good, where the good is. shit is. And you can elevate it by doing this. So cut it in half, cut it in however many pieces you want and toast that shit off. Do it in a toaster oven. What I prefer to do is to um, cover the have side so like the the white side i guess you could say not the crusty side but the white side i like to brush a little bit of olive oil on it a little bit of salt and pepper and actually put it face down and on on the oiled side down in my cast iron skillet and toast it yeah that's the jam um that's the way i like to do it as opposed to a toaster or toaster oven because it gives you a lot more flavor and then this is the trick before you put the cheese on it and then fold that bitch back into a sandwich and put that's when i put it in the oven to just melt the cheese my trick is take a whole garlic clove and after it's toasted, while it's still hot, just rub that garlic clove on the bread and you suddenly have the greatest garlic bread you've ever had in your entire life. It's so oh. simple. And it takes one clove of garlic per about a quarter of the bread. And that's if you cut the entire baguette in half and then like have that half, you know? Um, so you'll need about four garlic cloves to do your entire thing of the baguette and then put any kind of cheese you want on it. What Brian and I have been loving lately is a little bit of cheddar cheese, a little bit of pepper jack cheese, um, and then just toss that shit in the oven until the cheese is melted and you have like a perfectly delicious grilled cheese sandwich. If you're feeling frisky, you can, you know, cook (laughs) off some bacon and put it between the cheese before you put that in the oven and then you have a bacon cheese sandwich. And... I'm telling you, those two things together during self-quarantine, you'll feel so good eating it and watching your favorite movie. Do I sound like a Food Network host or what? You do. <laughs> if you have any questions, you can uh, tweet at Michael. Yes, you can tweet at me because I am actually, I was telling Brian, I was like, I'm going to give this recipe tomorrow on the show. And then this morning he goes, are you still giving that recipe? And I go, yeah. And also we're having that for dinner tonight. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. I'm, glad that, I'm glad that you like cooking so much because I'm definitely that anxiety cooking person because I grew up super poor. So we could not afford to fuck up. If you tried to cook and you were not good at it, then nobody ate. So mm-hmm. I'm like terrified of cooking, which is why I included on my self-care list, um, like classic comfort snacks. Oh, good. Uh, so obviously, when we went grocery shopping, because Harmony does cook, we got all of the essentials, all the staples, everything that we needed to have. But you can bet your ass, I bought f- like frozen character shaped uh, crack nuggets. mac and cheese. Yes. Okay. Love I that. bought, no, they were mac and cheese. See, I'm also a firm believer that character shape or like any sort of like weird shaped noodle is better, better for mac and cheese because all the cheese gets stuck in like the little crevices and it's a better, it's a better bite. Um, but I bought that. I bought SpaghettiOs. I bought Lunchables. I bought Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Mm. And there is something just so comforting that like, yes, I have an amazing future wife who's making me incredible food, but sometimes I'm just so mad that I just want to eat a fucking beefaroni and just be nine years old again and yep. not have to worry about all of this bullshit. And I'm immediately like transported back and I'm like, hmm, I'm calm. I'm back to, I'm oh, back yeah. to where I need to be. Thank you. Lunchable pizza, extra cheesy pizza. You know what I made the other day? 
I not only made Kraft macaroni and cheese for the first time probably since college the other day. You know what I did with that shit? I fucking cut up hot dogs and put it in there too. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I mean, if you want to be an adult, you could use like kielbasa or something. But- yeah, but I was like all about – because like Brian and I have been being very conscientious of like shopping on a budget right now because – you know, we don't know what is going to happen down the line. Right. Um, so, like, we've been finding really great ways to just do stuff while also being very frugal at the same time. And, like, hot dogs and Kraft Mac and cheese, there's, like, something yeah, about that bite where you're just like, fuck, this is heaven right now. <laughs> it's like a warm hug. For me, my version of that is I've been kind of experimenting with the weird Oreos in the Oreo aisle. Yes. Um, there are new uh there are new trolls world tour themed oreos that have glitter oh in the cream <laughs> um what does the glitter taste like nothing it tastes like nothing but the, the cookie is yeah. pretty good um but one of them i was not brave enough to get that but the other the green trolls oreo has pop rocks in the cream that's oh. amazing yeah so that sound, sounded too wild for my stomach but um i got i got <laughs> I got me some carrot cake Oreos. Those are really oh, good. Oh, the carrot cake Oreos are actually legitimately awesome. Yeah, like the 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 quote unquote cream in them actually does taste like cream cheese. Like it's it's like mm-hmm. a more savory cream than they've ever had. It's great. Um, but yeah, the w- one thing I wanted to say is a lot of the recommendations that we've had are things to you know watch or play or things that involve like a bunch of screens. And so I think a lot of people who are stuck at home during this time and hopefully. Most, if not all of you are, you know, have the luxury of doing so. Um, if you're staring at a screen all day, there's a thing called repetitive eye strain. There's a lot of horrible things that can happen to your eyes. Um, I'm very familiar with that because, you know, anyone who's listened to this enough has probably heard that I have a photosensitivity. Um, I basically have a like a video game health meter and to how much I can stare at a screen throughout a day. And once I reach that, it's like headache. Um, so, you know, if you are experiencing any sort of eye strain or just general tension and stress and, you know, have a headache or need to rest your eyes, first of all, I do recommend eye drops. Those do help a lot. Um, mm-hmm. If you're, you know, sitting down for a long gaming session or, you know, about to start a movie, just pop in some eye drops. You do it afterwards, too. Just keep your eyes lubed up. That will help a lot. Um, but if you just need to do something that doesn't require you to just stare at a screen that's blasting light into your eyes, I have a lot of recommendations. Um, One thing that I love to do is to just lie in bed and binge a podcast. This is if I have a headache and I'm not really capable of doing anything else. Um, But some podcasts have gotten me through tough times like that. My dad wrote a porno is a great one. (laughs) Uh-huh. Oh, I do love that podcast. Oh yeah, uh, there's a Canadian podcast called "Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids." Oh my um, god, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's which genius. is you know, it it's self explanatory. Um, and one that I have been, it's a new podcast. It's called "Staying In with Kumail and Emily." It's um Kumail Nanjiani and Emily V Gordon, who are the real life married couple who uh-huh. wrote and are the the characters based on in the big sick that sentence fell apart, but you get it. They are the big sick. <laughs> um, did that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, they started a podcast because Emily is immunocompromised. So they're quarantining and they ha- are familiar with it because they've had to do that periodically throughout their lives because of her immune condition. 
Um, so they're, they share a lot of tips, but just with a lot of like good humor and calming kind of energy, kind of like how, at least I hope this podcast, this episode is going. Um, and I really, really have been digging on that one. Um, other things you can do, you know, play a game of solitaire, uh, go on, go on a walk. Obviously, you know, stay six feet away from people. Don't go to like crowded or touristy areas, but it is okay to go outside for an hour and walk around in the sun. Just stay the fuck away from people. (laughs) Um, uh, one fun thing to do that people don't really do anymore because, you know, we have Spotify, we have all these infinite things. Listen to an album front to back. Just oh, sit Joy in the dark. Album is so listenable from beginning to end. Yeah. Just yeah, sit so in good. the dark and sit with an artist that you really love and experience a full album and kind of, I don't know, listen to the story that it's telling you. Listen to the instruments. Listen to, just hear it all and kind of experience it. Um, also, Can I talk doing dishes. Doing dishes is that what you're going to say? <laughs> Yeah, no, you. it can be very therapeutic. Just the warm water and the kind of zen of it. It's it's Animal uh, Crossing esque. <laughs> I, uh, I was going to bring up a podcast because you brought a podcast really sure. quick. BJ, I listened to a recommendation of yours. Oh, and which one? The Dollop about Ronald Reagan. <gasps> oh, the Dollop. Okay, so the podcast is great. I weirdly listening to like three and a half hours of essentially just the evil tales of Ronald Reagan weirdly comforted me because it was so nice to just scream into the wind, <laughs> but feeling like I was being heard because I was screaming along with Pat Oswald and his buddies talking about Ronald Reagan. So I recommend if you need to get some aggression out, listening to something like that, because like I was alone listening to it the entire time it felt so good afterwards because I felt like I got a lot of negative energy out of my body by fucking shouting every three minutes at something horrible Ron and Reagan did in his past. <laughs> also, he that, was a monster. That does sound... Yeah. Yes. It was, it was, you know, it was therapeutic because... And I actually found a little bit of solace for some reason in the fact that our current president is really no different than one we had 40 years ago. The only thing is, is he has a Twitter account. So, like, I find it oddly, oddly comforting to know, like, we've been through this path in a way before. Um, granted, a pandemic adds a new wrinkle, but um, I don't know. Well, you have to do something with the negative energy because right now, mm-hmm. because we're all experiencing this, we are all existing in trauma. That's just straight up mm-hmm. what's happening. There are different parts of our brain that are shutting down because they're trying to protect us. And we're going to be experiencing things differently than we did before. And we all have negative energy that a lot of people aren't getting to get out the way that they typically would. I mean, something as simple is like calling somebody an asshole from the comfort of your car when you're driving in rush hour can (laughs) be the little release that you need to like get you through the day. And now, you know, we've lost a lot of those little moments. So finding things that you can do to safely get that negative energy and that frustration out. Like you got to do it because it's the same thing as when people bottle up their feelings, like eventually it's going to come out or it's going to manifest in different ways that could be just as toxic as, you know, the, the explosion. Um, Yeah. I got a lot of fear with what's going on right now out listening to that podcast. 
Like a lot of my fear was released because I was like fucking just having, allowing myself those moments of rage Mm -hmm. in the safety of my own bedroom. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, you do have to, you know, stay on top of that too, because you don't want those things to manifest against the people that you're stuck with. Exactly. Exactly. You do not want to start a beef with someone who cannot leave the like six feet around you or like you know, <laughs> 20 feet or wherever. Um, that's, that's also, no problem. screenwriters don't write a script about, I broke up with my boyfriend and then we got quarantined together because everyone else is doing it. You're more creative right. than that. Mm. Yeah. Also, I think the one thing that we don't need um, when we are freed from this is to hear about how terrible it just was. Right. Um, like, I don't need a bunch of media to watch about the thing that I just experienced that was incredibly horrible. <laughs> Some A recommendation that I do have is if you're trying to find information about what's going on in the world, but you just don't want to be consumed by the everything... Google, like whatever topic it is. So maybe it's, you know, wearing the masks or whatever, and just type like how to explain COVID-19 to children or how to explain wearing masks in public to children. Adding that little bit of to children will start bringing up resources that have sucked out all of the traumatic um, language. It sucks out all of the, we're trying to get your click shocking, like just headlines and exaggeration. It's all gone. And it is presented in the most palatable and comforting way possible. Some of them have like, it's, it's very, very nice because one of the things I've been having to do is I'm obviously, I'm talking with, kindergarten through eighth graders if a second grader is asking me why am i not allowed to go play with my friend across the street i have to be able to have a educated discussion but also one that isn't going to be like well because you might get a disease or a virus like you can't do that so if, if you find information that's geared towards smaller minds um it's really helpful and comforting because you get exactly what you need without putting that undue stress on yourself that's so smart. That's and and also one thing that I've been doing is just to help me sleep, I've created a buffer around bedtime. So like an hour before I go to bed and like an hour after I wake up, I'm not reading any news. Like that's just smart. it's incredibly smart. It, give yourself some space to think about other things before you have to go to bed because otherwise you're mm-hmm. not going to sleep and that's going to make your next day even worse. Yeah, I was actually making that mistake in the beginning, Brennan, and like I found myself either waking up with headaches or like waking up not rested. Yeah, um, which and you know might happen that, anyway because it's crushing, but it's it helps. I mean, you can't, and you also like, you know, there are those days where you just can't help but let that emotion seep in, and that's okay too. But mm-hmm. you know, I think yeah, it's good to acknowledge I'm, like there. Sorry, no, it's good to acknowledge, acknowledge there will be low days. <laughs> Yes, and but also being able to set your own rules in a way is a way to have control over this uncontrollable thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, and there's no right or wrong way to do that. Yeah, it's whatever works, works for you. For you. Mm-hmm. And that's what this episode so is about. I mean, fun and clarity. 
I had something that I wanted to, to bring to you both. So I'm giving you two different techniques of um, some social emotional care. The first okay. one is one that I've, the first one is one that I have put on my Instagram a few times, but I'll, I'll ask you the question. So I want you to think right now about how you're feeling in this moment, how you're really actually feeling. But rather than telling me I'm calm or I'm happy, I want you to try to describe your mood if your mood was a state of water. So if your mood was a state of water, how would you describe it? Okay, I have one. Okay, you got one. Yeah, share it, share it. Um, that scene in Jurassic Park where the glass of water is shaking with the T-Rex footsteps. That's perfect. Like where it's mostly calm, but some like surface movement. Very nice. I think for me, my common water stasis, is that the word I'm looking for? Stasis. Um, (laughs) is Brody throwing chum into the water right before Jaws pops out. (laughs) I feel like that is... Probably happens twenty four times a day, <laughs> but so I think we're, in we're this in a very Steven moment, space right now, <laughs> yes. But in this current moment, I actually feel just doing this episode right now. I feel like a serene, crisp lake. Ooh. I actually feel good doing this episode. Like right now, I feel really nice. I feel cool and calm. Good. Um, so I feel like Crystal Lake before Pamela pops out of it. <laughs> that's, no, that's perfect though. And the reason that um, the reason that I have you do that is because a lot of times we have difficulty expressing or analyzing how we're feeling. So we might say something like, "I'm sad." Well, there's a hundred different ways to be sad. So giving sometimes yourself there's not a word, right? What's that? Sometimes there's not even a word you can Exactly. Use. Sometimes there isn't yeah. a word. Um, but finding some sort of creative way or some something that you can compare it to that other people can also understand um, can help get your point across. It can really help you express how you're feeling. Like earlier today, I've been thinking like, oh, I'm evaporated. Like I'm just, I'm mm. just gone. But gone. Now, through, now through this, instead of feeling evaporated, I feel like I'm that the water that is evaporating when you're making pasta. So it's mm, a good thing that oh. it's evaporated and it's not this mm-hmm. like, I'm not like a drought, you know, I'm not like yeah, a, an evaporated so river. Yeah. So it's wow. really cool. so, You weren't soaked so you up, you were released. Exactly, exactly that. So if you can find different ways to start like analyzing and keeping in tune of how you're feeling. So like common ones are if you were a food or if you were a color or if you were, you you know, an animal. Yeah, I've posted the food one before because there's a big difference between saying like, oh, I feel like ice cream and I feel like burnt toast. Like (laughs) The other thing I'm I'm doing just doing it is I don't want to say it distracts you from the fear and stuff, but it is an, it's like a productive way to think about what you're processing. And it also helps Uh, you not feel quite as vulnerable because it's difficult mm -hmm. to say like, I feel like I'm going to cry or mm -hmm. 
I'm so depressed. I don't want to move. Like those are hard things to say, but if you have another way to say what you mean, um, it, it helps you really express how you're feeling. So those have been really, really comforting is whenever I'm feeling something is trying to analyze, okay, so what am I feeling? And if I had to describe it as something else to explain it to somebody, what would I, what would I describe it as? So it's, that. it's really, really helpful. Yeah. Those are really helpful. I'm glad you like them. They're, I do. they're really fun. And the other one that I wanted to do is um, obviously we people have been posting a lot of like different breathing exercises. Uh, but the one that I like to do, and I'm going to like pull away from my microphone so that Ernie doesn't kill us. <laughs> okay. But uh, what you do is I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about yourself as if you are a tire slowly losing air. So you breathe in through your nose and when you breathe out, you make an S sound and don't worry about trying to make the the s sound as long as possible just slowly listen to how your air starts off strong and slowly disappears and by doing that it should slowly help you calm all of your central nervous system your heart race (laughs) everything should help slow down and mentally it'll calm down because you have the audio cue of what that sounds like of you calming down i don't know if you heard i only did it three times and my eyes literally got tired like i felt like i was like that really amazing feeling you have right before you fall asleep for a nap do you know what I'm talking about? Like you lay down for a nap, you have that moment of like, I'm, I don't know, at least for me, it's not awareness, but it's almost like I'm about to fall asleep and you can feel it in your eyelids. Oh, it's, it's such a good feeling for me. Yeah. And I just felt that. The full body calm. Yeah. It's really uh-huh. helpful. And it also, I mean, it can help when you're trying to process any of your negative emotions. So if you're really sad or angry, if you do that, it'll sort of press reset on your body a little bit. That's beautiful. Like, I wish I had known that when I had my panic attack a week ago. Um, but the thing is, I think that's something that everyone should like bookmark in their brain. Um, Cause I'm lucky enough that I am like quarantined with someone. I have Sergio here in the apartment with me. So I've, I've had a panic attack before, but not for a long time. But after about a minute, I recognized what I was going through and I could tell him like, Oh, I'm, I'm like about to fully have a panic attack and he like rubbed my shoulders and tried to have me focus on the movie. Like, Oh, what's happening here? Like, tell me who this character is or whatever, like kind of ground you in a different space. Um, But if you are, you know, isolating alone, you're in an apartment and you're feeling the same way. I think that breathing exercise could be so important to remember. So like, I don't know. Put it's a pin really, in that. Really, yeah, it's really calming. And another way that you can do grounding, this one is one that's like recommended a lot by um, therapists and other social emotional educators, is to think when you when you start having that feeling of like panic or just when things feel like they're out of control, try to think of five things in that moment you can see. So like you, uh, Brennan and and Michael can see my room, but I can say like, okay, I have a carry poster. I have a glow poster. I have a bat. I have a jack-o'-lantern. I have shoes. So five things that you can see, um, four things that you could touch. You don't have to touch them, but in that moment, no, there are four things in this room that I can touch. 
um, think of three things that you can hear. So even if they're not things that are in your room, think of three things that you know that you know the sound of. I know what a fire truck sounds like. I know what a cat meow sounds like. I know what the rewind on the VCR sounds like. You know, Ooh. whatever. Yeah, whatever. Three things that you know that you can hear. Um, think of two things that you can smell um, that you know what that smell is like. You know, this is the smell of, you know, my, my grandmother's perfume or this is the smell of um, my favorite candy, whatever. And then one thing that you can taste. What is something that you know for sure you know the taste of? Mm, and wow. doing that, like those those sensory um check-ins and giving numbers to them, um, they can really, really help you just like bring you back down to earth. Yeah, that's great. That sounds lovely. I think these are really um, excited when you were like, let's do self-care. I was like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) All I literally said is like, BJ, BJ, bring some things for self-care. You're like, I got this. I'll do my homework. homework. I just like pull things from my lesson plan today and put them down. (laughs) That's great. I think these are a great thing to kind of wrap up on too, right, B? Yeah. Oh, that's me. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I have two tiny, tiny topics I want to get through, but in like the okay. shortest amount of time possible. Um, okay. One last thing. Um, if you want a quick shot of serotonin, masturbating is really fun. Um, yes, it is. Also, um, if you are, you know, off of screens for the time being, for whatever, like eye reasons, reconnect with yourself, like close your eyes, masturbate to your own imagination people don't do that anymore <laughs> think it's it, true uh, just connect with yourself mm-hmm. that's really fun <laughs> anyway um also no, just I my, will, sorry, yes? definitely i was say no that's a thing and like i'm fortunate to be quarantined with somebody and I, I know a lot of people have been joking like oh this is the time to like try things out and for us it's been like let's just like learn more about each other's bodies on like a very intimate level in ways that we normally wouldn't be able to and it's been really nice it's like did you know that this weird section of your leg like makes you giggle every time did you know that <laughs> and I was like I do now <laughs> that's really funny and so true that's that's beautiful I look. I this. I love being in this space. So I've. I just. Yeah. That one last question. I want to ask you specifically, Michael, because I think you and I early on had the opposite reaction to what's going on, because Mm -hmm. I started growing a quarantine beard and you Uh. shaved your non-quarantine beard right the hell off. (laughs) So I want to know what the decision process was behind that for you. It. Anytime I've ever done anything like this, it was literally walked into the bathroom grab the razor and go, you know what? No guard. It was like literally not <laughs> much of a thought process. I, I hadn't shaved. Right, we're flying my, free today. Yeah. I hadn't shaved my face in a really long time completely. And I just was like, you know what? Let's see what this looks like. Um, yeah. I also was maybe a little influenced by thinking, So I have two things. I usually always have a beard and I only wash my hair once a week, which probably sounds really gross. I only wash mine once a week. So I feel you. Yeah. For the oil. I wash my hair once a week. Um, I will proudly say that I think my hair is one of my, my hair is one of my great um, attributes. I have really nice, luckily hair, just like my father. So it's really thick and it's really dark. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have friends in the hair care business and they always say you should really only wash your hair when it's really dirty. 
So, and I actually once asked my friend in the hair care business, and I go, well, how do I determine how dirty it is? And she goes, honestly, when your scalp starts itching, which I think oh. is hilarious. So I have found that's about once a week. Um, but I was also reading about the virus a little bit and how it can potentially stay in your mm-hmm. hair and in your beard. Because I know as a beard person, I clean my beard pretty regularly because I've always heard about people who have a lot of poop particles in their beard because they don't properly wash their face. Um, Which we're learning clearly that all the people talking about hand washing clearly weren't washing their hands before this epidemic. Uh, So that might have been a little bit of an influence. always been important. (laughs) Yeah. Like that might have been a little bit of influence was shaving my beard because I am now washing my hair every other day. Mm-hmm. And that caused me to kind of think about, okay, well, let's let's maybe shave the beard, start fresh. Um, yeah, but there really wasn't much totally, thought process. That wasn't much thought process. What made you grow a beard? Well, honestly, just because I've always wanted one, and the <laughs> biggest the biggest hurdle is that awkward stage, like that couple weeks in the middle where it yeah, just so looks now you awful. don't have to see anybody. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm, I'm just yeah. I'm hitting pause on that moment, and when I come out, I'll be full like Mountain Man Jack. So <laughs> I will um, say I'm a little left out in this conversation because for the first like two weeks of quarantine, I did grow out my quarantine beard because I have a uh, an endocrine system problem. So mm. if I don't shave, I can grow a beard. And, oh, okay. oh yes, it, bad endocrine system plus Italian full beard. <laughs> And, uh, you know, my, my future wife is, is transgender. And while she's had like laser removal, like there's still parts that grow back. So we both were like, let's just see what happens. Yeah. (laughs) We have never seen each other without like perfectly maintained faces. And then we both got about like a week and a half in and we were like, uh, it just, I hate this. Nope. It's gotta go. <laughs> See, oh, Sorry, that, feminism. It's gone. No, well, that period was tough. The itching period. I'm mostly past that, but yeah, it's in the time when you're not supposed to touch your face, not a great idea. Yep, nope. I was um, like, yeah. it's gotta go. Yeah. But I, I will say I, before I committed to this, I did do the research on beard hygiene. So anyone out there who has a beard or is thinking about growing one or, you know, letting their endocrine system do its thing. Um, it yes, beards can you know hold germs same way as hair, same way as your skin. Just you know mm-hmm. keep everything clean, and also if someone's like virus laden spittle has made its way into your beard, it's probably made its way into your mouth as well. Like if you're close enough for That's that, true. just don't get that close. <laughs> um, it's not yes. the beard's fault. Um, and honestly, yeah, anyway. soap and water, it'll do the trick. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I I was just curious because I felt like you and I were like opposite corners of that meme where like gays dye their, like bleach their hair after a breakup or something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. That's about our stopping point probably. Yeah. That's good. So Um, BJ, BJ, where can everyone, oh, sorry. What? Yeah. I just said BJ, where can everyone find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at my name, BJ Colangelo. Um, and my feature film came out today. It is available on VOD. It's called Powerball. Yes. It's about professional wrestling. There's a lot of shirtless men in that movie. Um, so check that out and uh, rent it. So, you know, I have money during the quarantine. <laughs> yes. 
Love that. I can't wait to watch it. And where can we find you, Michael? You can find me on Twitter at Michael Ken Ken. And you can find me on Instagram on at Michael TJ Kennedy, but you actually won't find me. You'll find Scooby. <laughs> of course. That's, that's I my mean, self-care uh, is pictures of your dog. Oh my God. Folks, <laughs> that dog. I love her so much. She's been so great to have during this. I love her. Oh yeah. And yeah, no, I mean, look, who doesn't want to look at pictures of Scooby? Um, but yeah, She's you can adorable. find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Wolf Pod. She is adorable. Um, you can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Brens. Follow me on Instagram at The Burning Clem. In my stories, I have been running these like March Madness drafts of pop music, um, <laughs> yep. which have really been keeping me level-headed. Um, but also, Ine is not here on this episode, but you should continue to follow her on Instagram at Black Cupcake. That's B-L-A-K-K yes. Cupcake. Um, in her Instagram stories... Um, periodically she's been highlighting people who desperately need money to be donated to their whatever, you know, whatever cash account or whatever, like PayPal or cash app or, you know, one of the million things that people can use in 2020 to donate money. So if you do have money to donate and are looking for a cause to give it to check out, uh, black cupcakes, Instagram stories, cause there are a lot of people in need and nay is trying to connect them to people who have the ability to help them out. And her stories are also very yeah. funny at times. So, oh so. yeah, like just her, oh, yeah. her, her, the stories of her, her life are always so beautiful. strong. It oh, really yeah. is strong. <laughs> um, but we hope hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and let us know if I you have so. any tips to share with each other. Um, you can add us on Twitter. You can message us on Twitter. Brennan, what's our email address again? Uh, queerwolfpodcast at gmail.com and you can also discuss it on the facebook group moderated oh, yes. uh, the attack of the queer wolf moderated pack. by me <laughs> well this was a lot of fun this is our first remote recording and i think it was successful yeah um me too. Anyway, yeah, no, it's it, it it's been in, it's been interesting. I'm so happy I can see your faces in these little boxes yes. on my computer. Um and we'll, you know, we'll be back with all of you uh 2 weeks from now. Yes. Yay. Thank you. Thank you BJ. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Attack of the Queer Wolf is a member of the Fangoria Podcast Network, hosted and produced by Brendan Klein, Michael Kennedy, and Renee Beaver. Sound recording, mixing, and editing by Ernie Hurtado, recorded at the Rebel Talk Network in Los Angeles. Music by Von Kiss. Logo art and design by John Holland. For Fangoria, Dallas Sanier, Phil Nobile Jr., Jessica Safavamir, Brandon Weinerty, Natasha Pacetta, and Rob Galuzzo. Mm-hmm.